Well, welcome to Chi Alpha, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the staff members here with Chi Alpha. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess so. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, a little bit about me. Um, when when I get into something, I like I get into something. I'm like all in. So for example, okay, last year, last year we put on this event called Toilet Paper Assassin. <laughs> Some of you remember. So it's basically it's like like Nerf Assassin, um, but you hit people with toilet paper instead of Nerf Nerf darts <laughs> because of you know COVID toilet paper. Um, anyways, so I ended up getting assigned Shayna as my target, and so you know naturally. I just showed up at our workplace at 6 a.m. and <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, her coworkers called the oh, almost called the cops. It was a <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I also staked out Kennedy's apartment for a couple hours um, before having a car chase and then eventually jumping into the car that she was in and then getting her out. It, the car wasn't moving. It wasn't like it, yeah, okay, yeah, um, but yeah, yep. So this this same drive. That motivates, it also motivates me to be all in for the Lord and for his story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I hope and pray that all of you would also be all in in joining Jesus here on campus and, and to experience what he's doing. So this week, we'll be continuing our series, Joining God's Story. And we're asking this question, how is God inviting us to join his story? And so as Meredith pointed out last week, um, many of us, likely have been taught that Jesus joins our story kind of as a helper, and then we get to do whatever we want, pursuing our own goals, desires, dreams, etc., barring any horrible moral actions. I mean, like, and that's kind of what I thought when I was growing up. But it really seems like the Bible doesn't say any of that at all. Instead of joining our lives, Jesus is actually calling us to leave behind our story and to join his story. He wants us to join him in a bigger plan that he has for the world, and that is so, so much bigger than ourselves. Um, so our first week in the series, Brandon taught us about God's missional character, and that he is and always has been on mission to bring humans into a right relationship with himself. Yeah, God's mission has always been to bring humans into right relationship with himself. Humans rebelled and they chose to be God-like instead of their original design, which is to be made like God. And then last week, Meredith taught us that, that God's method of accomplishing this mission is through people, just like you and me. And she also taught us about God's call to Abraham to leave everything he knew. That's his, his life, his extended family, his possessions, his friends, and to go to an unknown land. And there wasn't anything particularly special about Abraham, he just obeyed God. Well, tonight we get to look at the call of Moses in the Old Testament. Okay. Okay. Wow. In the Old Testament. Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah. That was better. Yeah. This story seems to actually contrast Abraham's a little bit. Um, instead of being called to leave his people... Moses, who had actually fled from his people, is called to go back to his people and to lead them out of slavery. And instead of just, like, obeying God as, as Abraham did, Moses complains 
disqualifies himself, and then reluctantly obeys God. Um, <laughs> and I think that by the end of tonight, we'll actually all realize that we have a lot to relate with with Moses. Um, but before we get to that, you guys pray with me. Yeah, Jesus, thanks that, that you are great to, to follow, to worship. You're worthy of all of that. Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking through me tonight, um, and that, yeah, my words would not be my own, be your words. Um, and that I'd just be listening to you. We love you and praise all in your name. Amen. All right, Bible pastors, would you come up? Um, yeah, if any of you don't, do not have a Bible tonight, just raise your hand and they will come find you. Um, and if you don't have a Bible at all, just, just keep it. That's our gift to you. Um, and also, if you don't know, we are a note-taking culture. So we also have some journals if you don't have any way to take notes. And as everyone knows, in the book of Second Opinions, it says that the ones who take notes are saved. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, before we get to reading the, the, the passage, um, yeah, I'll, I need to provide some context for what's going on with Moses. So basically, at this time, the Israelites, God's chosen people, um, are enslaved in Egypt, and they had been in Egypt for uh, over... 400 years, and despite being oppressed, they were exceedingly fruitful, and they, they were multiplying, um, which worried the pharaoh of Egypt, the, the king, the ruler, basically seen as a god, um, and so basically, he, did, he didn't want to get overthrown, and so in response to their multiplying, he made a decree that every Israelite boy must be thrown into the Nile River and drowned, and it's during the, this time that Moses is born, um, and you should just read the story, but uh, Moses ends up surviving, and then he gets, ra he gets raised by the Pharaoh's daughter. So essentially, he was raised as royalty with access to their arts, language, education, to their, their, their entire culture. And Moses grew up, um, and like, he knew of his real ancestry. Like, he knew that he was an Israelite. Um, and so one day, um, he sees an Egyptian mistreating one of the Israelites. And this wasn't just like verbal abuse. This was like he was getting beat up. Um, and so in response, um, in like a fit of righteous anger and probably a little bit more than that, uh, Moses goes and actually kills the Egyptian. Um, and so then knowing that he might, that Moses might get killed for this action, he flees to Midian. Um, and then he tries to blend in. So he finds a wife and has a kid and, you know, becomes a shepherd, as one does, you know. And so the, the years pass, and then Moses is now around 80, and then everyone who knew, at this point, everyone who knew about Moses' murder are now dead. So he's kind of solid. So would you guys pick up your Bibles, and would you turn to Exodus 3? And we're going to read verses 1 through 14. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he fled the flock, um, and he fled, yeah, the flock to the far side of the, of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the, the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Seems logical. Um, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, or in the Hebrew, Moshe. Pretty cool. 
Um, and Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what sh shall I tell them? And then God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Okay, let's pause. What is Moses' response to God's initial call? In verse 11, Moses says, who am I? And notice that God doesn't actually answer that question. He actually, he kind of sidesteps the question. And he responds with, I will be with you. And this, this sidestepping, ta sidestepping tactic seems to be pretty commonplace for God in both the New and Old Testament. Jesus did it quite often. Um, and, and the point of it is that he's getting to the heart of the issue. What does Moses' question imply? Well, Moses' question, he, he's basically making this call about himself. Right? And God responds by putting him back in his place. He says, it's not about you. This is so much bigger than you. God's, God's response is an assurance that Moses is not alone and will be helped. And even though that, like, sinks in, it, 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 does, I mean, it doesn't seem to sink in because Moses continues to try to back out of this. And he asks, who do I say sent me? And God responds by revealing his personal name. He says, eh, yeah, which means I am or I will be. Um, and when, when, when God says uh, his name, it is I am. And so when we say his name, it's he is. So that he is in Hebrew is Yahweh. And this name means I always am and I always will be. It's actually a call to the very nature of God, an uncreated creator. Or as Thomas Aquinas put it, the unmoved mover. So in, in response to Moses' excuses, God reveals a very personal quality of himself and his own personal name. Do you see what God's plan is here? God's plan here is, is just very clearly a relational one. It's always been about relationship, deepening their connection, and helping his people understand him further. I've heard it said, God has an Emmanuel agenda. And Emmanuel means God with us. God has an Emmanuel agenda. And, and in fact, this phrase, I will be with you, 
is it's repeated numerous times throughout the Bible. So let me just share a few verses. So we have Genesis 28. It says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31. Do not fear or be in dread of, of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And then in the Great Commission, Jesus says, to teach people everything that I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I don't know if you guys are seeing what I'm seeing, but I think there's a trend here. Um, do you remember God's mission? What is God's mission? It's to bring humans into a right relationship with himself. It's always been about deepening his relationship with humankind, to be with us. So let's continue reading in chapter 4. We're going to skip ahead a little bit. We're going to read chapters 4, 1 through 17. And so after God reveals his name to Moses, Moses answers, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Leprosy is a disease. Um, now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the, from the river will become blood on the ground. And Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord says to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Man, this guy. <laughs> pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Okay, so now we see Moses' reluctance coming out even more. So he's already thrown out a, like a, this self-centered, who am I? No one. And then God says, it's not about you. Stop. And then, and then there's like this questioning God's authority when he says, like, like, who do I say sent me? And then what does God do? God reveals he reveals a deeply intimate part of himself. 
And then in this section, we see Moses move on to, well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? This is is like self-consciousness. And then God's response is he gives Moses the ability to perform three signs. Um, And then (laughs) Moses goes and says, I can't talk good. And like this is just more like self-disqualification. And God says, I made you and your mouth. And then finally, there's this exasperated last-ditch effort. Please just send someone else. And then this is where God's righteous anger comes out. Um, But he says, fine. Like, he he allows it. And he says, your brother Aaron will help you. I think it's it's really easy for us to belittle Moses here and and to judge him. I mean, he had literally so many opportunities to obey the Lord. But how often do we do this exact thing? Right? How often do we disqualify ourselves, preventing us from serving the Lord wholeheartedly, joining his story? I mean, do you you make life all about yourself and your aspirations or desires? Do you make life about your career or your major? Do you care too much about what others will think of you? Do you think you can't ever be equipped to serve God well? Is there a sin issue in your life that makes you think you are completely separate from him? Or do do you doubt God's power to help you overcome your sin? Do you disqualify yourself because you lack knowledge or social skills? I know that for me, I've I've definitely used all of these excuses at one point or another. I know I I wanted to pursue music to become um, famous. Not, not Not to make Jesus famous, but to make myself famous. I wanted to please my parents and the career path that they wanted for me. I thought that I would never be good enough to serve God. And, I mean, that, that's actually kind of true. Because n- none of us are going to be good enough to serve God. But I used it as an excuse um, to not give myself fully to him. I thought that struggling with sexual sin made me inferior, and God could never redeem someone like me. I thought that I didn't know the Bible well enough to point others to Jesus. I thought I didn't know how to talk to people. And a little bit more, it's so like my, my pursuit was music, and it was, it was to be a famous musician. Um, and it, it took many conversations, and the Lord slowly softening my heart for me to be ready to be fully on mission for him. And, and for me, that looked like, that looked like doing the Kyle internship. And I'm not, I'm not saying that pursuing music is bad, um, but my heart wasn't in the right place. God just cares about where your heart is. Is your heart in the right place? God just really wants to use you guys. He just wants you to say yes and join his story. Um, I've heard it said, God equips the one he calls. God equips the one he calls. And you should <laughs> keep in mind that a burning bush isn't the litmus test for being called. So, <laughs> I mean, well, maybe for Moses, he was kind of stubborn. Um, but the point is that that God knows us each intimately, and he knows what will get our attention. So are, are you paying attention to how God has been prompting you? Are you guys paying attention to how God is prompting you? Well, maybe God is asking you to talk to a specific classmate about Jesus. Maybe he's asking you to grow in your leadership skills. Maybe he's prompting you to do the COP internship. Maybe he's prompting you to finally take notes. 
maybe it's maybe it's a maybe it's a call to overseas missions. Maybe God is asking you to stay and ferment in this community and grow in your disciple making skills. Whatever it is, whatever God is calling you to do, it's for a reason. And that reason is his mission, right? It's to bring humans into a right relationship with himself. And maybe that's your relationship with him, but maybe it's also bringing others into relationship with him. Either way, it's deepening a relationship with God. And this is God's missional heart. If, if you're unfamiliar with the rest of the story of Moses, um, this is kind of how I, I'll give you a brief summary, but you should just read it yourself. Uh, Moses goes on to confront Pharaoh um, about letting the Israelites out of slavery. Pharaoh says no, and then there's this like showdown that happens between God and Pharaoh in which God basically just dismantles their pantheon of gods by enacting ten plagues, um, all the while using Moses and Aaron as his ambassadors. And then finally, Pharaoh lets the Israelites go and then changes his mind after they leave. And then the Israelites get to the Red Sea, and God splits the sea so that they could walk through it and eventually out of Egypt. And then after escaping Pharaoh, Moses encounters God on Mount Sinai and carries the Ten Commandments down to the people who start worshiping a golden calf. And then somewhere in there, Moses has a shining face for a while, and then he writes the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, But all of this... All this started with Moses reluctantly obeying the Lord, right? It starts with obedience. I don't don't think this story actually is trying to highlight how we should be obedient to the Lord, like how we should obey the Lord in reluctance, right? That's not the the point of this story. But I do think that this story shows us that God can and he will use the reluctant and the stubborn. That was me. Moses might have been slow at first, but... Over time, the relationship developed, and Moses learned to trust God. And in doing so, Moses represented God to the Israelites, introducing them to a covenant relationship with the Creator God, blessing them for generations. And, of course, there's no way that Moses knew this was going to happen. It was just one step of obedience at a time. So let me ask you guys, where, where are you in the process of learning to trust God? Where are you in the process of learning to trust God? Yeah, Moses obeyed, and he saw God do wonders through his life. What do you think God can do through you? Are you limiting God's power to use you? Maybe you're relatively new to following the Lord, and you need to take some reluctant steps. Good. You should do that. Take those steps. Maybe you've been following the Lord for a while, and you need to break out of some old thought patterns. Maybe God just wants you to earnestly pray to him. Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to seek God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Are you seeking God wholeheartedly, in these four areas. So worship team, if you wouldn't mind coming up. Um, in, in closing, I wanted to ask you guys a couple of questions. Um, these are some application questions and reflection questions to process. Um, so question number one, how has God been prompting you to join his story? How has God been prompting you to join his story? Number two, in what ways do you disqualify yourself 
from serving the Lord fully? In what ways do you disqualify yourself from serving the Lord fully? And finally, how can you partner with God today to be fully on mission for him on campus? How can you partner with God today to be fully on mission for him on campus? Yeah, I actually, I actually want to, I want to hone in on this second question. Um, I, th- I think it can be really powerful to have a physical representation of laying our perceived disqualifying features down. And so, so during this time of reflection and worship um, coming up, I invite you guys to grab the note card in front of you. Um, and I want you guys to write down whatever it is that you think disqualifies yourself from serving the Lord fully. And yeah, we're, we're going to have a 